Good morning, everybody. Today, the name of my talk is Making Heaven Happen. And I don't know if you were listening for the meditation. The first step is to love myself and to love yourself, because that's where heaven is. It's all within us. If you remember one thing from this talk, it is that it's already here. It is within us already. I'm going to talk about some other tools to make heaven happen. And if you're somebody who's already enjoying heaven in your life, please share what you do with others. Everybody's heaven is different. Somebody's heaven could be living on the mountains. Somebody's heaven could be working at an ashram. Someone's heaven could be just being surrounded by family. But the thing is, people who know that they're living in heaven or already created it know what it is that they want. They don't say, I don't know, when I ask about their dreams or what would make you happy. They know. They've made a decision. And that's the most important part, is to make a decision and then start dreaming about it and create a dream board. If you want to be prosperous, talk prosperously. Hang around prosperous people. Reprogram any negative thoughts and talk to positive, prosperous talks. Because remember, we're omnipresent. God is omnipresent. So God is already here within us. God has already given us what it is that we want. We have to raise our vibration to be in alignment with what we are asking for. There's a Bible story of a woman who requested from the prophet Elijah. Elijah. I knew it before. <laughs> um, she needed help paying her husband's debts he had passed away and she was afraid if she couldn't pay her debts that they would take her son for slaves so elijah said to her what do you have what do you have in your house already and she said well i have some oil perfect he said get as many vessels as you can and fill them with oil so that's what she did and she sold enough oil to pay off all her debt all of her husband's debts so nothing had to happen to her sons. And the story tells us of prosperity because it's about what's already within us, what we already have. And it's also about our divine ideas on how we use what we already have. It's already in us. All we have to do is go within and ask, what is mine to do? What is it that I have that is my gift to share? And how? Actually, we don't ask how. God shows us how. God shows us the steps. We don't have to worry about that. True prosperity is being grateful for what we already have and knowing that there is no end to our divine ideas. Now, another possibility is to make heaven happen. You may want to be in a relationship. So what I did when I wanted to be in a relationship, I did all of these things. I did the footwork. I went on websites, I, uh, dating sites. And I surrounded myself with couples, couples that I admired, couples that I thought they had a great relationship. I also surrounded myself with hearts. And I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I did my part of it. I created a dream board with couples and got into that feeling of what I thought it would feel like to be in a relationship, to feel that being cherished, to feel that in love feeling. And I had a feel it towards myself. I actually had one sponsor say to me, you want roses? Go out and buy yourself some roses. 
So I did. I bought myself a dozen roses. And interestingly enough, that same Valentine's Day, two other people bought me, two other men bought me roses. One was a client and one was my, um, uh, another good friend of mine that got roses. I was like, wow. Now it wasn't exactly who I wanted them from, but it didn't matter. In my mind at that point, I thought getting roses was going to help me feel loved. And it did. I did feel loved, but it was a different kind of love than what I was looking for, but it didn't matter because I felt loved and I felt loved by myself as well as others. So the first step is decide, decide what you want. And then the next step is let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. It's a spiritual surrender and that's not passive. Spiritual surrender is not passive because you work as if it depends on man, as it depends on you. And then you think and are grateful as if it's already here so that you're in that vibration. And you pray as if everything depended on God. Let God show us the how. Remember omnipresence. It's already here. It's already within us. It's already in the world. We just have to raise our vibration. So by letting it go and then keeping our vibration high, we don't only get what we want, we get what we need that's going to keep us in that vibration. God is in everything already. All presence is here now. Heaven is here now. So I'm going to read to you from the Courage, Conviction, and Consciousness, which is one of my daily readers, and it was July 8th. It's called God's Help. No matter what problem or difficulty you are facing, God's answer is already on its way to you. In the midst of inharmony or confusion, in the face of fear or grief, remind yourself that God's good, God's answer, is already seeking you out. God's help, which comes to us whenever we need it, may come through a friend or it may come in the form of a stabilizing thought, a feeling of increased assurance, a renewal of courage, a new surge of life, strength, and joy. We do not always know what the channel of our blessing will be or its method of reaching us, but we may be sure that the help we need in any given situation will reach us without delay. God is the giver of all good. His blessings are never withheld, but are poured out continually and abundantly upon us and our lives. Our part is to keep ourselves open and receptive to him, to keep ourselves ready and willing to receive good. And this is from the book called Help Without Delay, Mary I. Cupfarl. So spiritual surrender, so we let it go. Spiritual surrender is not a passive act. It is an active giving over of self-will. It is an affirmation, a voice of confidence in the infinite, a decision to trust. So when I committed to being in a relationship, I was clear for many, many, many years I wanted to be married. It was like, I want to be married. And here I was at 44, still single, and I had just lost somebody very close to me. And uh, actually it had been now a couple of years. So I started dating and going to the dating sites and I wasn't meeting anybody. And I would go back to my sponsor and say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm, I always used to meet people. I always, always used to meet guys all the time. And now I want to meet a guy and I can't meet anybody. And she said, well, one question I have for you is why do you still have your diamond ring on your left hand? <laughs> and I was like, that was a ring that I had made um, that Michael had given me or 
And so I had to stop and think like, why? Why am I still wearing this ring? And what came to me was, it allowed me to feel deserving of love, which I know is bizarre, but for some reason I attached being deserving to a diamond ring and I wore it on my left hand because I wanted to be married. So she said, well, I strongly encourage you to take that ring off because if guys see you with the ring, the good guys are going to say, forget it. She's unavailable. She said, and if it's a guy approaching you anyway, you don't want him because he's willing to date a married woman. You know? I was like, yeah, that's a good, good thought. So I started by taking the ring off at night and leaving it on my dresser and feeling uncomfortable with that and getting in touch with, I deserve love. It doesn't matter if I have a ring on my hand. It doesn't matter that I already had love. I deserve love and I don't have to worry about wearing that ring. So eventually I took the ring off and I started meeting people, but I really didn't like any of them. And finally I said, you know what? After a couple of months, I said, you know, I'm done. I've been through enough. I don't want to meet anybody. I'm okay with being single and pursuing my career. And one night I went out dancing and I met Gabe. It was wonderful. And not only did I get what I wanted, I got what I needed. I got a man that could fix anything in the house. That was not something I thought I needed, right? I also didn't think I needed somebody to help me soften my delivery. Because I guess I could be pretty strong. And he's the perfect person for that. He's helped me and continues to help me because I still have some work to do. But he, he helped me to cultivate that softness that can be powerful. And I never knew I needed that. I thought I was pretty soft, but anyway, he let me know I wasn't. And what was so interesting about it was, it was one of those things that I inherited from my mother. I, I can't say inherited, but it was a behavior that I got from her, her strongness and her toughness. And although it carried me through many things in my life, it wasn't working in a relationship. So now in what I'm pursuing as being a minister, I have to even learn to be even softer. So I'm. Truly grateful, honey. Thank you. Um, so turn it over. Be willing to receive, but also the spiritual surrender. Open yourself up to receiving not only what you want, but what you need. And know that it's going to feel probably even better than what, at least it has for me, better than what I thought I wanted. It's much better. So the next thing, the next two things are a little more challenging for me anyway. The next one is forgiveness. If you want to make heaven happen in your life, you have to be willing to forgive and you have to forgive because when we don't, we can't move forward. There's a stuckness in us that won't allow heaven to happen, that won't allow that freedom and that joy. Uh, if you struggle with heartfelt forgiveness, then just be willing. And as you work toward being able to forgive, know the unconditional love of God is for everyone. And this knowledge moves us to a new dimension. Ask yourself, how would I feel if I were to forgive? And if I turn that word around, instead of forgive, give way for, what are you willing to give up for yourself to be free? What are you willing to give up for love? What are you willing to give up for heaven? It's just about remembering that we are all children of God and we all come from different places and we all deserve forgiveness, including ourselves. Remember, 
you know, when we're not in the place of being willing to forgive or forgiveness, we're not in the place of knowing that this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made right now. And if we're not in that place of forgiveness and joy, we're not really experiencing the way the Lord made the day. So forgiveness is one of the tools needed to make heaven happen. And this last one is the most challenging for me. Loving our bodies. I was listening to Michael Gott from July 12th. He had a whole talk on freedom in the body. And, you know, we're on a spiritual path. And we remember, and then we forget. And then we remember, and then we forget. It's all a part of the journey. So when I was really young, the only clothing I would fit into was something, a line called Chavettes from Sears Roebuck. This scarred me for life, okay? So my mother would have to, come on, Teresa. I was the only one that had to go to Sears to get her clothes. We got to go get Chavettes. I went through my whole life seeing myself as a Chavette, still do. And there's so much shame around that. Now, I just want to say there's also a, a boy's line, and it's called Huskies, which doesn't seem nearly as de detrimental. I mean, if you think of Husky, I've asked people, they think of strength, they think of cute dogs. I looked it up. Okay, where is it? Wait a minute, hold on. I looked it up, and it says for Huskies, it is, uh, the dictionary said, a strong boy, slightly larger than average. Okay, Chavette, it says, it literally says, a fat chick. And then it also called her Porky. And I was like, well, no wonder. No wonder I've carried this with me. But the truth is that the universe is biased to healing because wholeness is the nature of God. But we often operate under false beliefs, like I have the belief of being chubby my whole life. Even when I had times in my life that I wasn't chubby, I looked great, but I always wanted to lose that another five or 10 pounds, thinking that was gonna make me better craziness. But Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, they found their way to the spiritual teachings through their physical body because they both had physical ailments that they overcame. And it starts out with Myrtle because she had tuberculosis from a very young age and she was given a diagnosis that she had six months to live and she wasn't willing to accept that. So one night in 1886, she went and she heard a lecture by E.B. Weeks and he was a metaphysician and she walked away knowing that she had a divine, the potential for divine healing, as we all do. And she, from that, took the phrase, I am a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. And she meditated on that. She lived that. And she continued to do that for two years. That plus other things that I'm going to share in a bit. And she healed herself of tuberculosis back in the 1800s. So she began to teach this metaphysical process and she used her faith to transform lives. She said, sometimes we pray to a God outside ourselves. It is the God in the midst of us that frees and heals. And this isn't just about our body. Remember, God is omnipresent. So if we need healing in prosperity or in our checkbook, or if we need healing in our relationships, that's where we go. We go to the God within us. It's the only reality of us. Myrtle Fillmore experienced God in her body and she recognized that her thought was the portal 
to reveal the truth of God. It wasn't a distant, far-off God giving her something she didn't have. She affirmed that the presence of God within her already knew how to heal her body. In an article in Unity Magazine, she wrote, How I Healed My Body. It was either How I Healed My Body or How I Healed Health, something like that. But what she said was she went to all the life centers of her body and spoke words of truth to them, words of strength and words of power. I asked their forgiveness for the foolish and ignorant course I had pursued in the past when I condemned them, called them weak, inefficient, and diseased. Now, how many of us have criticized our bodies? Yeah. We thought it should be different. I had an interesting experience this week, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was. I went and had a physical and I'm very healthy. I know I'm very healthy <laughs> until the doctor told me I wasn't very healthy and then I freaked out. But it was interesting because I had a, you know, blood work done. It was all great. I had my blood pressure. It was perfect. And then they did an EKG and she's like, oh no, we need to redo this. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, it's not right. Okay. So they redid it. She says, okay, you need to go for a stress test. It looks like you've had a heart attack. <laughs> what? I freaked out and I'm like, every cell in my body knew I never had a heart attack. But I had this stranger telling me, looking at a piece of paper, telling me I had a heart attack. So now the anxiety starts and I start not being able to breathe. Okay, I'm having another heart attack. <laughs> oh, it was an unbelievable two weeks and anyone wants to hear about it because the test was another traumatic experience for me. But turns out my heart is fine. I never had a heart attack. So I'm fine. But what? I became aware of in that week was how just hearing a suggestion about my faith, I lost, about my health, I lost my faith. I put my faith in what somebody else was telling me. I forgot that God was within me. And I called uh, Silent Unity one night and what she said to me, the last affirmation she said was, God is greater than any situation and any condition, any condition. And that's what I held on to for a couple of days. And then I needed another prayer. But God is greater than any condition. And God is in each and every one of us. So she said, I did not become discouraged at their slowness to wake up. She didn't become discouraged at the slowness of her organs to wake up to the God of in, within her. She did not. She kept right on both silently and aloud declaring words of truth until those organs responded. Neither did I forget to tell them that they were free, unlimited spirit. I told them they were no longer in bondage to carnal, carnal mind, and they were not corruptible flesh, but centers of life, energy, and omnipresence. That's metaphysics, ladies and gentlemen. Seeing a condition reality in life which is not always aligned with our spiritual truth, seeing it and declaring something different, declaring that, no, God is here and heaven is here now. Ernest Holmes says, our work in metaphysics is to stand in hell and declare heaven, to stand in chaos, confusion, sickness, and say, there's a God moving through me now to reveal my next steps, to reveal my good. The abundance of God does not cease to exist when a job goes away or I have a diagnosis. The vitality of God in my body does not go away. I am one. We are all one with infinite power. Somehow we forget that quite often. 
but we have reminders all around us. Too often our mind is in opposition to the mind of God in us. And this is our opportunity also to forgive ourselves when we have forgotten. We'd like for this to be easy, but we get for it to be simple, not necessarily easy. It requires persistence because sometimes these beliefs are really deep and have been there for a long time. Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. When I first heard that, you are not your own, I was kind of like, well, who's am I? You know, I kind of looked at it like a diminishment, but it's not. It's an expansion because within me is the body of Christ. That's an expansion. So to see that I am not of my own and to remember that I am one with God, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> so, and also I want to talk a little bit about shame. You know, shame blocks our flow also. And the deal with shame is it's a secret. Many of us don't like to talk about our shame. And it's sad. I uh, One of the stories, and I asked Gabe's permission if I could share this story. It, within the la I've known Gabe 13 years. And within the last two years, you know, he works out and he looks great. And it makes me angry because he eats whatever he wants. And I work out and I don't look so great and I can't eat whatever I want. So I made some snide comment to him one night. And instead of getting angry, which is normally his MO, and then we'd get into an argument, he turned to me and he let me know how hurtful that was. And he said, my whole life growing up, I was skinny and I was bullied because I was skinny. He said, and for the first time in my life, I feel good about my body, and you have to say that to me? Ugh. Oh my God, it was awful. But it made me see how, you know, I was thinking something different of him. I had no idea. And body shame comes in many different ways. Now, maybe you've never experienced body shame, but I ask you to hold the space because maybe your wife or your daughter or your son, your brother, somebody you know, I'm sure, has body shame. And to be able to hold the space and to find love and healing for them. Let it not be a secret anymore. In Romans 12, 21, 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So instead of constantly looking at my body as something it's not. How about it's the vessel that I'm here, that it was given me, that's perfectly fine in the eyes of God to do what I came here to do, to share the gift. And maybe it is my body that's going to help me to share that gift. I don't know. But let, let it be the path to our freedom. Let it be part of what is going to allow us to have an experience, heaven on earth. Knowing God is always with me, I choose to see situations in the outer world as temporary conditions. Happiness is truth as we move through life in partnership with God. So if you're given the gift of tomorrow, to summarize what we talked about here, you make a decision, what is it that you want? You let it go, turn it over to God, spiritual surrender, and being open to receive maybe what you need Forgiveness, giving way for a new thought. Loving our bodies. The life of your dreams is already within you. Heaven is already here on earth. 
Nothing is outside of you. I love you, and I am listening. Mm -hmm.